Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! joining you on a Monday morning. As you might have expected when we left you on Friday, Mississippi State did not get the job done against LSU, but they played a game that I think they can at least on some level be proud of. We'll talk a lot about that in the coming moments. We want to thank you guys for turning, tuning in, turning in. I don't know what that would have done. Uh, wherever you're listening to Bob. <laughs> my, my hickness is rubbing off on you. You're talking like a redneck. Woo! Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for turning. Now it's just over. Yeah, so this, this thing's off the rails. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, you guys, for listening. Wherever you listen to podcasts, be it at supertalk.fm or wherever you find podcasts, we appreciate you tuning in, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. And, of course, we want to thank... Our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream and the College Corner. We'll give a little bit more details on those sponsors as the show goes along. And I'll come see you here in just a minute, Shay, and get my caramel macchiato. Make it happen. All right. Joel T., tough day for the Bulldogs. Some good, some bad. We saw another side of Joe Moorhead. Joel T., he's he's, he's in full flare mode over there. (laughs) Joel Joel T., what is causing all that? One word. Yeah? Stress. All right, and I referenced that for the game, how it played out, and I referenced that for the one of the most unique post game press conference. I don't know what you call that. I don't know if you call it a rant. I don't know if you call it a rant a, is a good word. I, I think rant's what we're going to go with here. Boy, uh, Joe said in his post game comments as part of his, well, this wasn't part of the rant. This was an answer to a question later on that he doesn't pay much attention to social media. Lately, right. I'm not going to say that he's lying there. I don't know what the man does or doesn't do, mm-hmm. but I will say that to me, the six minutes or, or the, the five minutes or whatever, however long that little rant was there at the beginning, indicated to me that that man has felt the heat of late, and to his ever loving credit whether it's because of social media, whether it's because of internally, whether it's because people have you know stopped him in town, I don't know. To his credit, uh, the heat being picked up caused him to apparently light a fire up under the buttockses of the Mississippi State Bulldogs because they played with passion. But buttocks. Buttockses. Buttocks is already plural. I know, but I'm making my own It's like here. deer. I'm, I'm doing a George W. Bushism over here. Strategery. <laughs> Anyway, a fire was lit under the butt of Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And I have several qualms with that. One, if you have to coach your team to play hard, that's a problem. Like if you have to if you consistently week in, week out have to coach your guys to play hard, to me that indicates a humongous void of leadership. Right. I think that's a problem. But we'll we'll go there later if if if, if things that are true tails into that direction somehow. But I do think that Joe Moorhead has been under a ton of stress, and to his credit, he put a product on the field Saturday. Look, his offense didn't click all that great. We can pick apart things, and Lord knows we have the last few weeks. But Mississippi State looked on Saturday like if they had come into this game at 5-1 and like some of us thought they might have, like if the only loss was to Auburn and State had beaten Kansas State, um, if State had done all year what you thought they were going to do coming into this game, 
and then they played the exact same game that they played on Saturday, everybody would have been like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. You know, the only reason that anyone is still mad about what happened Saturday is because you're not mad about what happened Saturday. You're still mad about what happened prior to Saturday. Very fair. And, and, And so, to Joe Moorhead's credit, whether it was because of social media, whether it was because, I don't know, maybe his wife said, Joe, you need to light a fire under their tail. I don't know what happened. But to his credit, he had his guys ready to play on Saturday. He might have been stressed. Lord knows he sure seemed it in the post-game presser. But he took that stress and, and whatever the heck has been weighing up on his shoulders, and to his credit, he put a product on the field Saturday that at the very least can give you a glimmer of hope that better days are ahead. I'm not saying that they are, but you did at least see effort, which to me is the first step towards any of this getting fixed. Okay. You hadn't seen you didn't see it at Tennessee really. You didn't really see it at Auburn, but there wasn't a single second that I looked down from the the press box on Saturday and thought them guys ain't playing hard. I thought they played I agree hard. With that. I yeah. thought they played hard. And does that deserve you 3 million bucks in another year and and all the time? No. Um but credit to them. State played hard and I credit Joe Moorhead for getting them to play hard. Um we'll see if he can keep it up. But but it, it's got to go so much further than just playing hard. The offense has got to get figured out. It, it's it's just got to. Or, or if it doesn't, then he ain't going to be here. Mm-hmm. But to his credit, on Saturday, he had his boys ready to play. Stress may have caused it, but stress turned out to be a good thing this week, even though it resulted in an L. And if they come out and play that way this coming this coming Saturday, they can win the football game. That's the question, then, is it? Do you think this is something that they can sustain? They have, they've never done it on the road, it doesn't seem like. No, you're right about that. You're, I mean, he's going right to have to prove about it again. That. Um, All right. But for one week, which is what we're judging on at this, mm-hmm. at least what I'm judging on at this moment, kudos to Morehead for having them ready to play, but you still got a long, long way to go. All right. All right. All right. All of that I agree with 100%. Speaking of things that need to be agreed with, here they are. These are the things that are true, brought to you by our good friends over at the College Corner. It's true that when you come to Starkville, you don't want to waste time in line. Do your shopping before you get here, and you've got plenty of time between now and the next home game. So head over to College Corner. You may want to buy you a jacket, because the next time time you're here, it's going to be cold. And they're going to have the biggest selection of of MSU jackets that you can find. So check out either one of their two locations over in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, or you can go by the Half Shell in Flowood. Or shop online, and they plenty of time for it to get shipped. Go to collegecornerstore.com. And when you mention the podcast at the uh, store or when you use the promo code THUNDER online, you can save 15% on your next purchase. So come up here looking, looking sharp, wearing the newest MSU gear at College Corner. I got 12 things that are true. And here's the thing. 11, look, I know the things that are true. I like to hype them up. But sometimes I mean, they're not true. Sometimes they Are you isn't. admitting that some of the things that are true aren't true? Sometimes, you know, down the road, something that was true becomes untrue. But I'll fight anybody on number one. <laughs> if anybody says number one's not true, we're going we're gonna to have a problem. We're going to have a come to blows. I'm excited. I'm number excited. one, the first thing that is true, the salute to service was the most badass moment in the history of Davis Wade Stadium. I have, I, I didn't say, I'm not saying I was crying, but I'm saying it was awful dusty in that press box. I had chills, man. That I had, I had, was incredible. MSU, you are doing yourself a disservice by not putting this out on video already. It has to be out there. You've got to get it out there. You could go, you'll get a million views. And, and I know that there's a video of it on Facebook, but it's, it leaves out the best part when he when, stands, when he stands up. up. 
I almost uh, lost it. Almost you, lost it there. You know, I've seen that in other venues. The Braves do it every yeah. Sunday. I know a lot of people do it. A lot of teams do it. Professional teams, college teams. That one, the way that transpired, and I, I'm assuming was 100% organic there with, with him just deciding I'm walking I'm off this up. field kind of deal. Yeah. Boy, howdy. Unbelievable. That, was, that, that, that just made you want to stand up and salute the yeah. flag and just go down there and hug that man. And Unbelievable. That, that was amazing. Yeah. Kudos to him. Thank him. If for whatever reason he's a listener to Thunder yeah. and Lightning, God bless you for your service, yeah, brother. And, and you will hear his name again today on a, on a Super Talk program. I promise you that. Because when winners and losers happens, he's a winner. Yeah. That's going to get brought up. So I'm going to get up with MSU. I want to make sure I have all his information. So I, I don't, I don't want to screw that up. Let's move on to some actual things, you know, football stuff. And number two, I'm going to sort of echo what Joel said, but number two is I have no problem with how MSU played. Do I have some problems with the game plan? Yeah, I thought there were some things offensively they could have done differently. I, I had some issues, obviously, with the penalties and things like that. But overall, they if they had played that way all year, they would be four and two. Or yeah, four and two. Four yeah. no. Four, four and three. And four and three. They would have lost. No, lost to Auburn. Five, they'd be five, five and two. two. They'd be five and two. Yeah. I was like, my math is not yeah, working. They played seven games. Math is not our strong. They'd be five and two. They would have lost to Auburn and they would have lost on yesterday. But that's the kind of effort you have to bring every week. Yes. Yes. And and I, I maintain what I said a minute ago. If you could, you know, men in black flash and erase the last six weeks, and then you just saw that effort. If that was the first game of the season, everybody would be thrilled. Everybody, and you know that LSU has a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback yeah. and how good they've been. Yeah. And you saw that effort, and, and particularly in the first half when State was hanging with them, everybody would be pleased with the way that turned out. The only reason that anyone might have watched that game and come away still angry is because they're still angry about the weeks preceding that, which is fair. I'm not, I'm not discrediting anybody for for seeing what happened before that and still basing some of your judgment on that you should i'm that's a completely fair thing but you're right and i'm right because we're awesome and we're never wrong yeah. uh anyway all right yes that was absolutely a thing that's true the effort was absolutely acceptable all right number number three if you've listened to joe moorhead's post conference press post game press conference and a lot of you have one of the most listened to videos we ever had at facebook for our super sports talk mississippi but if you haven't, I suggest you go do it and hear what Joel and I are talking about. But and this might surprise a lot of you. I agree with a lot of what Joe Moorhead said. I agree with most of what his his sentiment was that you know the, that he had, he had a message to his team and that they followed it and that you know that's what they have to do every week and that they weren't going to take you know and they didn't have any problems with you know going forward and being aggressive. I said on this show, I said, hey, you got fourth and one from the mid forties, you got to go for it. That was the first drive. And they went for it. And did I like the play call? Nah, it wasn't great. But I like the aggression. Me too. I didn't have a problem with that. So I agreed with a ton of what Joe Moorhead had to say. I agree with the general sentiment of most of what he's saying. Where we have the problem is, is number four. Well, I'm sorry, that's number five. But number four is, if you're going to say it's not about wins and losses, but how you compete, you better compete. And as hard as State played, were they actually competitive with LSU? No. Not at any point. I mean, you're going to say that, oh, okay, what about the first quarter? We'll get to that in a minute. But it was 36-7, and it could have been 50-7. to Could have easily been 50 points. LSU turned it down. So if you're going to tell me it's not about wins and losses, and it's just about how you compete, I want to see competitiveness. They weren't competitive with Auburn. You know? They really weren't you know, that competitive with Tennessee. It's just the fact that Tennessee is so bad that they let you stay in the game. 
if you played the game, if you play, God Almighty, if they had played the way they played at Tennessee against LSU, we'd still be at the stadium. They'd still be scoring points. <laughs> they they would have cracked a hundred. So that was an interesting statement from John Cohen, from a former coach who, as I recall, did not take losing very well back when he was on the in the dugout. A very interesting statement from him. Was that that was Cohen's statement? Cohen's statement to Feinbaum, Paul Feinbaum. Just had to compete. And I know he talked a lot about state looks good at practice too. Which uh, well, we I mean, we've discussed that. That that. I, how do I know? How do, how do it's how do I know and and quite frankly, who I think Feinbaum actually said this in the next step. Yeah, he said he doesn't care how you look at practice. Who gives a crap how you look at practice? Yeah, nobody cares. Only thing anybody cares about what the scoreboard says on Saturday. To be like, totally honest, that's a negative for a coach. You're telling me your team practices well and then can't play? Where's the disconnect? What's happening between the practice field and the game? Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. What a, this kind of goes back to some of the stuff we've already talked about a little bit, but it goes back to me if that's what's happening, that they're practicing pretty well, and then on, on Saturday there's, whether you want to call it lack of effort or, or whatever, all that stuff, to me it goes back to, man, why, why in the world? There is a leadership void somewhere. I just don't feel like effort is something you should be coaching out of these guys. Like, why, how are these guys not – you know, amped up, and they were amped up, obviously, against LSU. But why is that a week to week deal? You know, why is it when you go on the road, are they going to be ready or not? Why is that a thing? My only, my only answer, and as Joe says, there's reasons, there's an excuse, there's excuses, there's different things. I do think that it's kind of legitimate that you look out there at who's contributing right now. You got a true freshman quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got a lot of youngsters that's playing on the defensive side of the ball and things like that. You got a lot of guys that just hadn't come into their own yet. They probably don't feel like they are at the point where they can step up and take that leadership role and things. So maybe that does lead to going into some road environments in particular, and, and you're a little bit, I don't know, uh, not not the alpha right. that, that some other guys can be. So I will, you know, I'll give State that, but man. Joe's got to find a way to get those guys ready to go every week. Every week. And I know Jack, even Jackie Sherrill said it's tough to get guys up every single week. I right. mean, you're going to have a stinker on occasion. Right. But there's been – Make mean, the stinkers to, against teams you can beat on talent. That too. That too. You can have a stinker against Southern Miss and still win. Problem is, like, at this juncture of his tenure, I mean, what, we're now 20 games in. He's 11-9, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And – what six or seven of those nine were were some of those stinkers? Yeah, like there's been a lot of stinkers. Oh, the Kentucky game last year is a stinker. The Florida game last year is a stinker. Uh, I don't know about LSU and Alabama last year. The Iowa game, yeah, stinker. Auburn and, and Kansas State both this year. Yeah, just I, I know. I mean, you, you should have lost Auburn, but again, it's it how shouldn't you have lost. been fifty six twenty three. Yeah, you know. So, all right, number five, and this is what going back to what I was saying about agree. I agree with a lot of what Joe Moore had said, but this is a problem. Joel, there is no tougher sell job in the world than telling people who have it good, they can have it great, but first they got to have it bad. Like, Joel, I don't know what you make a year. I don't. But if I told you, hey, I could triple your salary in three years, but for three years you got to make a third of what you make right now. You going to do that, or are you just going to be like, no, nah, I'm pretty good where I am? <laughs> and it's not, by the way, it's not, guaranteed. it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed that I can do it. I feel like I can do it. I'm confident in my ability to do it, but it's not a, a guarantee. Probably just going to stick with what I'm Stick with stick what, what I got, got, right? Stick so, with what I know. This is a tough sell for Mississippi State fans. It's tough to hear building a program when you had been to seven straight bowl games when the guy got here. That you were coming off a nine win season that eight you felt. Eight straight, by the way. Eight straight, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
and that you felt like you were poised to have your biggest season ever in a long, long time, it's tough to hear the words building. Nobody wants to hear that. And that, it's just if it, if it is what it is. And I understand that Mullen left some holes in recruiting, but at the same time, I don't believe Mullen would be three and four right now. So that's a tough sell. Especially, you know, what did I say? I said this earlier in the year. When you mix disappointment with disappointment, now you're trending. You're trending down. Yeah. You're eight and five last year. That is a disappointment, no matter who wants to spin it any other way. And now this year you're three and four in games that you probably should have won. You should be you should be uh at, at worst four and three, but probably five and two. And you're not. And so you tell me that you're building. Okay, what do you, what 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 needed to be built? This is the question MSU fans want to ask Joe Moorhead is what needed to be built? The program feels like it was already built. Why was why is there a need to tear it down to get to the next step? It seems like the next step would just be improving upon what you had. Yeah. You know, a tweak here or there, you know, a little more of this, a little more than that. Not we gotta start over. You can't sell that to MSU fans right now. All right? They did the starting over thing a decade ago with Dan Mullen. They started from scratch, they built to a program they felt was going to be consistently good. And it's not. And and we get back to the whole the, the thing I said a lot last year, which was you're going to talk about building a program that can consistently compete with Alabama and LSU for championships. That starts in recruiting. And everybody tells me the recruiting. I look at the recruiting and from a class balance perspective. Yeah, I like where he's going. I think he's doing a good job. I don't, I don't have a problem with Moorhead's recruiting. But at the same time, it's not you're not top ten classes, which is what you got to have. Let me say this. Is this – I know for the people that are all on Joe Moorhead's rear end right now, this isn't what you want to hear. Um, I kind of go back and forth. I, I mean, I completely understand not thinking Joe can get the job done. And if you ask me if I think he's the coach here in a couple of years, my answer right now is no. I don't right. think he will be. But where I will defend him here is that, is this Joe's 2013 a little bit? I mean, I'm not saying that State's going to number one in the country next year. Mm-hmm. But when, when State was just figuring out that Dak was their starting quarterback, kind of like... Joe's just figuring out Schrader is his starting quarterback. State struggled to get to a bowl. They were four and six and won the last couple and snuck into a bowl game. And then Dak had the humongous game against Rice at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could absolutely see a scenario here where State is four and six going into the last two games of the year and they win those two and get to a bowl game. And maybe Schrader has a big. I mean, you can draw some parallels here to this is Joe's figuring it out with a new quarterback. Whatever you, you can draw some parallels here, and there were a whole lot of folks that were just sick of Dan Mullen in 2013 too. There were. So the more I think about this deal, is I mean, in hindsight, everybody's praising Dan Mullen for what he built, and I get that he is the man here. We talked about Joe is the man that followed the man at Mississippi State. Dan Mullen was the man at Mississippi State. But let's not sit here and act like over the course of nine years, people weren't ready to give him the boot multiple they were. times. 2016 especially, but I think in, the difference is in 2013, Mullen has already been to three, to four straight bowls. or three, Yeah, 10, 11, 12, three straight bowls. He'd had the good season in 10. In 12, he started out so good, and obviously it fell apart there at the end, but, but whatever. He had built up enough credit to, to weather those storms. Moorhead hasn't done that yet. He hasn't built up any credit. He had a disappointing first season. 
And now he's 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 where he is right now. You got to have you got to have some credit in the bank to weather that. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. That, that's fair that he doesn't have the credit to weather that. But I'm, I, I guess where I was, I would have liked to have seen some some offensive evidence to support this. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying there's at least a chance. It may be a small chance, but there's at least a chance that here in a couple of years we're going to look back at this we year could. as like Mullins 13. We could. We could. I, I, certainly Schrader is very very good. You can see that. I mean, he makes freshman mistakes, but at the same time, you know, he's obviously very talented. You just got to put some pieces around him. I think. The I off- think his biggest detriment right now, and you may have right now fix him in going going there, but mm-hmm. his biggest detriment right now may be his offensive line. In his, front of him. his line is not great, but then when you look in the future of the offensive line, and you have Cross, Charles Cross, Dollar Bill, Nick Penley, Cole Smith eligible next season. I mean, you got you got some things to work with. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be okay in the future for whoever the coach is. If it's Joe Moorhead, it's Joe Moorhead. But this is a this is such a tough sell. I mean, it's just tough. It is. You know. Is. I mean, I tell you right now that for me personally, I wouldn't take that deal. I would stay making what I'm making because I feel like I have it good. I wouldn't take the risk. And and I don't think a lot of people out there would either. Yeah, no, I agree. Number six, for a quarter and a half, stayed played maybe the best best it's played all year. LSU did not play the best it's all had at all year. Played pretty poorly, to be honest. And State never led. The closest they got was 9-7. Was seven, seven. And that says a lot right there. This is a team that State beat by 30 points. State embarrassed this team two years ago in Starkville. Embarrassed them. Beat them by 30. Could have won by 50. Fitzgerald maybe his best game as a Bulldog. Total, total domination. To the point where there was some concern that Orgeron might not survive the week after it. Because remember that, like the next week or two weeks later, they lost to Troy, and everyone's like, "This is not working. We've they got to make a move." And I get that's sort of what Moorhead's message was again: that hey, he was there and he dug out of it, and now look where they are. I, I'm going to do the same thing. <sighs> a little easier to do that. A easier to do that, but it's it's tough to watch how how these. Pro- and I think I talked about this on on a couple times last week that 18 months ago, or not even 18 months ago, you know, 14 months ago. State was this team that everybody's like, they are ascendant. They have this new coach who's going to take them to another level. This is going to be one of their best seasons ever. LSU, oh, Coach O, he's in so much trouble, probably going to get fired at the end of the year. And the, the, the trajectories have crisscrossed. Yeah. You know, one is they have just changed completely. And it says something when you play as well, about as well as you can, and the other team does not play anywhere near as good as it can, and you get one touchdown and you never lead in the game. Isn't it something that the, the trajectories – Kind of crisscrossed in large part because of a Joe Moorhead protege. Yeah, <laughs> that guy will be a head coach. Richard Cross was talking about this. He's like, he's always oh, too young. He's too young, buddy. When when the when the guy is right, the guy is right. All right. When when that guy is a great coach, somebody would be very wise to get him now while he's young, so you can have him for the next twenty years. All right. You could that guy could be a generational coach because he is sharp as attack. He has turned. I I don't want to hear about Joe Burrow last year. Wasn't good. Period. End of statement. Wasn't good. This year, he's the best quarterback in college football. What changed? What changed? Yeah. He, he, I mean, right now, I think he's going to win the Heisman because I think LSU's going to beat Alabama. I think, I think that. Put me down for that. Uh, where are we? Number seven. This is sort of an obvious one, but after Kansas State, Gary Trader should just been the name starting quarterback. Just, just You just got to move forward with him. He's obviously the leader. Uh, he gives you the extra dimension in the running game. I think State's going to be okay with him 
this season, and I think the state's going to be okay with him going. I think they're going to be much better than okay with him going forward. You continue to add talent around him. You have a potential generational quarterback here in Starkville. I really do believe that. Yeah. I mean, some of this has been complicated a little bit because Garrett has not been 100% either. You know, for all the talk of injury about Tommy, at Tennessee a couple of weeks ago, I truly believe that Garrett – well, Garrett said himself, if I remember correctly, that ideally they didn't want to play him at all at Tennessee because he was dealing with that leg thing. Yeah. And he still had a boot on his leg after the game this week. Mm -hmm. Like, he's been dealing with some health stuff. Um, You know, maybe if he was 100% healthy, he would have started that Tennessee game. We'll never know the answer to that question. But, but yeah – all things being equal now at this point, I mean, the sooner you could have went to Schrader and just stuck with him, the better. Yeah. I think that's, that's, what that's a, fair. And, what a weird, weird quarterback situation Mississippi State has endured this year. Since since basically the end of last, since since New Year's Day, when Fitzgerald walked out the door, and it, it you know, they had already done gone through the Kelly Bryant thing, but you think that's not go, it's not going to happen, so obviously we're going we're gonna to roll with Keaton Thompson. And he goes through the spring – and then Stevens decides to enter the boat, the the portal, and it just sort of goes from there. And the whole time, the guy who's the quarterback of the future was just the freshman yeah. you had signed. Yeah. Period. Yeah, of course, I know we, we talk about this all the time. We got the benefit of hindsight. I mean, this if if even... you take me back to July or June or whenever Tommy Stevens jumped in the boat, I thought that was a great idea. Yeah. And I think you did, too. Oh, we all uh, definitely did. I and uh and it I just, just didn't work. this isn't even hindsight is twenty. This is like hindsight using the Hubble telescope to see things crystal clear a million <laughs> light years away. All right, I mean that is unbelievable how that panned out. I I guarantee of all the things that's happened this season, nothing has perplexed Joe Moorhead more than that. So uh, number eight, Kylan Hill has some problems. Now they're fixable, but you have to fix them. This guy. He's got to learn to get upfield. All right, there's a little too much wiggle and dance in his in his game right now. So he had some plays where he had a chance to get to the corner. Now I know LSU has superior athletes and they're gonna, but there's just there's a little too much bounce in him right now as opposed to just lower the shoulder and get the yards. He's got to fix that. He hasn't. He has not been good the last three games. I mean, he had four straight hundred plus games to start the year, and since then I don't think he's over a hundred total in three games yeah. combined. How much of that do you think is is on Kylan, and how much blame do you place on the offensive line? There's some blame on the offensive line. There's some blame on Joe Moorhead for not bringing in Garrett Schrader in some situations because Schrader get that run option that Stevens doesn't give you. And there's some blame, you know, from if Stevens getting hurt, his passing game might have been what opened up things for Kylan Hill, and now that that's sort of gone, there's a lot of blame to go around. But when you're Kylan Hill, you, at some point you just have to say, "I'm going to get yards." You know, I get the carry. I'm going upfield. I'm going to I'm going to do what I got to do. You know, you're a big, powerful guy. You got, you got to have to run harder. That's I mean, and I, he, that's the thing. Like in the first few games, he was running super, super hard, and in the last three games, I don't, I just don't see the same anger from him running the football. So that's got to get figured out pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and Joe said something about Kylan. You may remember the exact comment or what I'm talking about here, but he said something about him when he was asked a question about him that said, "And, and Kylan stayed in a good state of mind the whole game." Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Do you remember him saying something, yeah, like, something that? like that? Yeah, which means that sometimes. He gets frustrated. Kylan is not in the right state of mind. I, I can tell you, in Tennessee, there were times he was not. Yeah. And you could see the frustration. Yeah. I remember so. one play in particular where he was just like throwing his hands Yeah, I think up we talked about it on the show. There was a play, a pass play. He's out in yeah. the flat. Literally, no one is within 20 yards of him. They throw the ball to him. I don't know saying he scores, but he's getting 50, 60 yards. And they didn't look at him. And he just stood, he just stood there with his arms spread out. And he's frustrated. I get that, though. I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with frustration, but take that frustration out on your opponents. 
And I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, Kylan Hill's no good. Kylan Hill's a dang good running back. Yeah, absolutely. But, but he's he's got he's got even he has things he can work on. All right, number nine. Defensively, I saw a lot of improvement, and I think that's a great thing because we were ready to bail on this defense after the Auburn game. And in the last two games, this sounds sort of weird. Defensively, State probably played well enough to win. You know, LSU scores off of a couple of turnovers. You don't have the turnovers. Maybe that's a little different. Yeah, they, they start drives inside the State yeah. 45, yeah. And, and you hold them to field goals. Yeah. I mean, I thought defensively – I mean, Burrow played good, but they averaged 52 points a game. And they've scored 52, 50 points on good teams. Yeah. And State held them to 36. And a lot of these guys had had good moments. I know. I mean, C.J. Morgan has had some bad moments, but he had some yeah, good. He mo- had some good moments. He had some good moments on Saturday. He got yeah. pressure. They they were aggr- again with the aggressiveness. It translated to the defense. They brought a lot of pressure. Who played his best game of maybe his career? Leo Lewis. Leo, yeah, played great. Got it. I was very pleased defensively. I knew I knew they were going to give up points. I, they weren't going to ever win. If they were going to win that game, it wasn't going to be thirteen to seven. You're going to have to win something like forty two thirty eight. So I mean, the defense was not the problem yesterday, and people are—I see people mad at Shoop. What do you? What do you want from this guy? Yeah, he held LSU 16 points below their season average without three key starters. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I—I I, I don't know how you could be at all disappointed right. w- with that. I mean, you got to remember this team gave up 31. What was it to uh, 31 to Kansas tw- State? Gave up 31 Kansas State. Gave up 28 to, to Louisiana. Yeah. You mean you know this team is they're getting better some points this year. They're getting and now better. against the literally the best offense in the country. Mm-hmm. It was 36, and, and and multiple times they held them out of the end. Like yeah, credit goes big time to that state defense and Bob Shoot. They're getting better. You know the the young guys in the middle are getting better. Uh, you're, you're, they're figuring out what they can and can't do. Now they still had some bust. I mean, that that touchdown to Racy McMath is yeah, that was rough. I mean, the guy just got a clean release on a vertical. Yeah, that Brian, you could have caught it and sprinted to the end zone. I'd have at least got, at least been got down to at the, the one. Yeah, <laughs> I could have gotten a good way. I got to catch the ball first. That's the first <laughs> issue. You're gonna have to really float it in there. Don't fire that one in there to me. Uh, number ten. You know, I hate the word unacceptable. Hate it because to me, unacceptable means you got to change something immediately. But 13 penalties at home is about as unacceptable as I'm, I'm a, as close as I'm going to go to that word. Yeah. That's on That's not, that cannot happen. But this is two weeks in a row where we've had the false start because not everybody's set at the snap. That's on Schrader. That's on your quarterback not making sure everybody's set. Before you snap the ball, you got to look both ways like you're crossing the street. Is everybody stopped moving? And if they haven't, you got to wait. Now, part of that, the problem with that is the tempo state plays where they take it down so far sometimes. Scott LSU snapped it a couple times at 29 seconds. I was just I wanted to give them a standing ovation. Like, this is how you play. Get after teams. That, that Aggressiveness can translate into that. That's the thing about LSU is they're good, but then they also play aggressive. Yeah. That is a dangerous combination for everybody that plays them. But pre-snap penalties. Uh, I thought one of the biggest penalties of the game was the face mask on special teams. Special teams again. Where you're gonna, you know, they're gonna get the ball with not great field position. Then you get a 15 yard penalty, and then what's the next play? It's the touchdown to Racing McMath. Yep. That's that that stuff you just can't have. You, know, you have an offensive pass interference, which I'll be honest with you, I have not seen that play. And everybody asks, "Did you see the pass interference?" Well, heck no. I'm watching the ball. You, know, you got to remember how that play developed. It was it looks like an end around. The LSU snuffs it out. Thomas gets around a guy. Then he pitches it back to Schrader. Schrader throws the ball. I'm not looking downfield at that point. I didn't look at downfield until the ball's in the air. Yeah. So, I don't know if it happened or not, but ish. Yeah, at, penalties is something that 
uh, in the Moorhead era, man. It's been it's and it's, it has cropped up mostly on the road. It seems like, but and but here's, he here's says a lot. Game. He says it's a lot. You can live with the aggressive penalties. You know, you get you get called for pass interference. You get called for a face. I I can live with that. I can't live with false starts. I can't. You got to fix that. That's that's the if again if I'm Joe Moorhead, that's like the first thing on my list to fix. Number eleven. It's time to turn turn to positive. Here we go. Number eleven. A bowl game is still well within reach for Mississippi State. There are still four winnable games on this on this schedule. Alabama. I let my wife have it, by the way. It's like we could have been debt free today. All I had to do was go bet on LSU. That's all I had to do. So we could have re- remortgaged the house to get cash. Could have sold both our cars. We'd be driving Bentleys today. Just had to bet on that. She wouldn't let me do it. Whatever the number is on Alabama, if it's less than 27, I'm probably going to go bet on that. I'll just go ahead and let you know. But AM is not good. They are an average football team. Yep. And you've dominated that series. Uh, Arkansas is really, really bad. Bad as you lost to Auburn on the, ro- uh, on the road, they lost as bad to them at home. They're not good. Abilene Christian is an FCS school. Ole Miss, here's what I'll say about Ole Miss. They are better than I thought they'd be. And they are—they look like they're getting better as a team each week. I think they took a little bit of a step back Saturday night, but they're not still not good. And that game is at home, and there's going to be a ton of emotion on that game. And if you're five and six coming in, I mean, you're going to have to play tight. But it's still well within reach, which leads me to number twelve. Excuse me. If State plays with that energy the rest of the way, they will be bowl eligible. They will win be, at least three more games yeah, if be, they play like that the rest of the way. Be bowl eligible, maybe seven and five. They may be seven and five. If they play like that against Texas A and M, they're going to have a chance to win the football game. And if State at the end of this year is seven and five and they're going bowling, yeah, I think you can take a breath at that point. And it doesn't mean that Moore is allowed to go four and eight next year. Yeah, but you can at least buy into what he's doing. And another year with Schrader, and another year of recruiting, and almost all of your juniors that you were worried about, Thompson, Dancer, Hill, they're all coming back. You got you got the makings of a decent team next year, but you got to get there. Yeah. If you end this year seven and five, given all the quarterback you can't drama, and I'm, you I'm end up complain. with a true freshman calling the shots and all the the offensive struggles again, and but if you end up at seven and five going bowling, I just the only people that are left complaining is just complainers. Really, I think uh, you, you just kind of have to. Because look, this was always going to be a seven and five, eight and four type year, right? Mm-hmm. So if you finish seven and five, going to a bowl game, could You're finish right. eight and five. Right there, yeah. Then all of a sudden, crap! You end the year with the exact same record as you did last year when you had one of your best teams ever. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know how at that point you can't at least say we got to wait and see because maybe Joe figures this out. Right, I agree. All right, I think even at six and six, you, you mean, Mississippi State. Here's a, here's a, if you want to call this number 13, you can. Mississippi State will never fire a coach who goes to a ball game under any circumstances, unless there are off the field circumstances that, you know, NCAA or, or criminal circumstances. Yep. On the field, if state's going to bowls, the coach will coach forever. Particularly in its second year. Yeah, no question. All right. Let's talk about something important. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. All right, who's getting coffee this week? You can be getting coffee when you go to Strange Brew Coffee House. You can enjoy some of their incredible drinks served by the wonderful brewistas who always take care of you. And, of course, 
this time of year. It's pumpkin spice time. They have all the pumpkin spice. Not just, by the way, the drinks. They got the pumpkin spice scones working right now. Pumpkin spice macarons. Not macaroons, macarons. Macarons. There's a difference. Uh, Pumpkin spice, they got all sorts of things. They had a strawberry cake up there yesterday. I legit may call them and be like, I want one of those for my birthday. Whatever the price, I'll I'll just pay it. Pretty sure they'll do that for you. They will do that for you. And, of course, churn and spoon ice cream for all the great frozen treats. Check them out over there on Highway 12. It'll be a while before you're back in Starkville. Don't forget, they ship. They can ship coffee right to your door. As you get closer to, to Christmas, the gift lover, the coffee lover in your life, that's the perfect gift, Strange Brew Coffee. All right. And if any of you just love uh, Thunder and Lightning and, and you'd love to give us a Christmas gift. Uh, <laughs> you, you're so sad. Come we, on now. We will accept it. Don't be like that. Uh, where are we here? The offensive line for Mississippi State. There's no coffee for them. I don't know if there are any coffee drinkers. I mean, if I was probably shutting them out of, like, you know, Umi or something, they'd be a little madder at me. Yeah. But uh, I need to get to Umi. My doctor, you know, I got my, had my blood pressure checked. They said, you got to eat more fish. I was like, are you telling me I should eat an Umi every week? And my wife didn't buy it like that. No. So, uh, yeah, you got to be. Dang- your wife has to be cautious at Umi, right? Yes, very cautious. She has a shellfish allergy. Uh, but anyway, they they just didn't play that great. I mean, state is this is two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. State can't run the football, can't run the football. And state was able to run the football pretty much all year last year, even in games where they couldn't throw the ball and they lost. They ran the football. Now it helps when you have the best running quarterback in the history of college football back there. But here's where I'll I'll. I don't know how much I want to call this a defense of the offensive line, but mm-hmm. we talk an awful lot about Joe's offense and, and what we saw at that coach's clinic that he gave us the chalk talk in the summer and the decisions that the quarterback has to make and he has to make them in just a couple of seconds. I don't know that we've talked enough about what he talked about with the offensive line that day mm-hmm. and how, I mean, you, you have to be blocking some of the best you know defensive linemen in the country and while you're blocking them, your eyes need to be on the next level. Who, who you're blocking? Like, Difficult. What, what did he say? Like two eyes upfield, four, four hands, four eyes, four hands, four eyes. Like, yeah, you're not even the dude you're blocking. You're not even looking at. You have to be thinking about the next, the next guy block. and the next guy and the next. Difficult. Like, I mean, there was a lot of stuff for even O linemen. Yeah. In that. And look, I, I hadn't hadn't sat through another coach's chalk talk. Maybe some of this stuff is a little more common, but. I don't know. I don't know, man. They, yeah. they got a I'm tough job, you know, I'm with for, you. for anybody that wants to just lambast them. But still, it's a job that they need to do better. I agree. <laughs> uh, within the SEC, this was an easy one. <laughs> Show me some coffee? No, no, thank you, Missouri. You will see no coffee this week. Man. That is the most improbable result of the season. By the way, shout out to Derek Mason, who I'm a huge fan of, as you know, because he won me the, the one time I beat Bob was thanks to him. Anchor down up there, but that the post game thing, whoo, I was fired up. Uh, but Missouri, how is this even possible? They lost by four touchdowns to UNLV last week, and yet you go on the road and you lose as a ranked team to Vanderbilt. Why are you in the conference? Serious question. What do you provide? Your food's not any good. You don't have a whole ton of hot women, do you? What are you providing the SEC? Do we really need the St. Louis market this badly? And the, it, They're it, like the third best barbecue in the conference. And you don't even know your directions. You're, you're in the east when you're the furthest west team. I'll be deep in the cold, cold ground before I'll recognize Missouri. <laughs> no coffee for Missouri. Also a very easy one uh, for the national one. Yeah. And that's Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, my God. How does that even happen? We were, I was discussing uh, Wisconsin. Uh, with some guys, and I was Garrick and uh, Ben, who are Big Ten guys, you know, Northern guys. 
work for the commercial dispatch now, and we were talking about how, you know, who are the playoff teams? I was like, man, Wisconsin could be in that mix very easily. You know, very easily. Like, nope. No more. <laughs> and Lovey Smith, who may have the second best beard in college football. Second best yeah. behind Schrader. Uh, what a huge win for that program. And, but, they, and they just blew it, too. They were up like nine with... Yeah, they just gave it away. How does Wisconsin, the most ball control team in the world, with the best running back in college football, not run the clock out? God. Oh. No coffee in the state. I don't know if coffee goes with cheese, but you're not getting any this week. No coffee. Coffee is for closers. All right, then. Tomorrow's show, we'll discuss what emotion will we see from Joe Moorhead today. Yeah, there's no telling. We have seen... Uh, he might come in jokey today. Emotional, downtrodden Joe. We have seen fired up, ticked off Joe. We saw frustrated and, Joe and, on Friday, I felt, man, with the fine bomb. Yeah, yeah, we did. We, we, yeah. So, so who, who we, knows? We're seeing the, the full spectrum of Joe Moorhead. We'll see Question. what Question. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Because I th- this is not me making fun of Joe at all. It's a legit question. Is this getting to him? Is he cracking? Like, is this is I, I all of this kind of... I, I, I have trouble believing that a college football coach of as long a tenure as Joe Moorhead didn't expect to be stressed at this job. Yeah. I, I don't believe he's. I don't believe he's under any kind of. He's under stress. Yeah. I don't believe he's under any abnormal amount of stress. So no, I don't believe. I, that. I don't believe he's under any abnormal amount. But I'm saying, do you think he's handling this okay? <laughs> Is what I'm asking. I think so. Okay. I think so. I think he's fine. You know, I mean, it's a tough job. That's why they pay you three million plus to do it. Yeah. So. I, I guess the only thing that made makes me like kind of iffy is like when he comes in and sits down and has the kind of pressure he had after the game with yeah. us. Who's he mad at there? Like, your, your team played pretty well. He's just mad. Concerned. I think you're just frustrated. You know? Like, when, you, when you're trying to put something together and it doesn't want to work, and you've got the directions, and it just doesn't work, you're not mad at the directions. You're not mad at the thing. You're just mad. Yeah. Sometimes you're just mad. You know? My wife and I go through that a lot. Of like, what are you, why are you mad at me? I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. I'm just, mad. just in a bad mood. Exactly. It yeah. ha- I, I don't begrudge Joe that. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's fine. I just feel like right now, there's nothing he could do that could satisfy some people. Like no, if you're he comes right about in, that. If he comes in, he's mad, then people no, are going to make fun of that. If he comes wrong. in, he's sad, people are going to make wrong. fun there's of that. There's something he can do to satisfy people. Win. Yeah. That's all people want right now. That's right. People don't want to hear any more talk. They want to see action. We'll talk about whatever he has to say, plus our SEC picks. We're still, I'm still one up. We still had no, one no differences up, yeah. last week. So we'll see what happens uh, on this week and see if I can extend the lead or, you know, can Joel get can – he, can he equalize, to use a soccer term? Talk to you guys tomorrow. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.